Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and I will be flying solo this evening as Matt has some other obligations. And this is going to be a short podcast, but I wanted to talk about a few things that happened yesterday. Of course, it being one of the biggest days of the NFL calendar, the conference championship round. And we saw some memorable performances for several different reasons. First, in the early game, Peyton Manning topped Tom Brady once again in the AFC Championship game, winning 20-18, to sending the Broncos to their second Super Bowl in three years. And in the late game, the Carolina Panthers, who came out of absolutely nowhere this year, destroyed the Arizona Cardinals 49-15. to So Super Bowl 50 will be the Carolina Panthers taking on the Denver Broncos in Santa Clara, California. And let's start with the early game, and a lot of the talk has gone to Brady and Manning, and it's understandably so. They played for their fifth time in the playoffs yesterday, which is a record-breaking, a record they obviously shared, but uh, also Steve Young and Brett Favre were one of the uh, quarterback tandems that they broke, so they played five times in the postseason, Favre and Young played four times. But it really was a lot to do with the Broncos' defense and the Patriots' inability to block them. And honestly, I thought both quarterbacks looked pretty old yesterday. To have uh, Tom Brady struggle, he missed a lot of open receivers. I don't know where that team would be without Rob Gronkowski. That guy is unbelievable. And I made a, I made a remark on Twitter that I thought that Gronkowski... Or um, Tom Brady's not the best quarterback of all time. Whoever is playing with Rob Gronkowski is the best quarterback of all time. And uh, I obviously don't mean that wholeheartedly, but he tilts the field so much. And you wonder what Brady's late career would be like without him. And that was one of the strangest things about all last week, and really this season, is the talk about Peyton Manning and how old he looks, and the idea that he could very well retire at the end of this season and it'll all be over, and he just looked so old and fragile, and he was bad all year, and the thing that is completely forgotten is that he is only about 15 months older than Tom Brady. Nobody has played as well that late in their career consistently, like Tom Brady has. Joe Montana was a shell of his former self by the time he was 38 years old. And Brett Favre had a couple good seasons, but he also had a couple bad ones once he got to that age. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Brady going forward, uh, to see if he can continue that style of play, because he's he said he wants to play, and he has no he's got no uh, desire to stop playing. But you would think, if history is our guide, that we would see Tom Brady start to slip significantly in the near future, and that'll be interesting to see if that happens. Peyton Manning did enough. Uh, He played probably his best game of the year, but he was a total game manager for a great, great defense. 
the Patriots were done in by the new extra point rule, which was something we were worried about. It was in indirectly. It didn't cost them the game, thankfully, but a lot of people were talking about that because Bill Belichick was the one who was pushing so hard to have that new rule and for it to come back and bite them. Granted, incredibly early, so they had a lot of time to make up for that, but just kind of an interesting wrinkle of yesterday. And one thing I wanted to talk about is the playoff record now. Uh, Tom Brady all week was being talked about like they were going to go in and they were going to kill the Broncos, and then he was going to go win the Super Bowl or potentially win the Super Bowl. Um, either way, would have gone to the Super Bowl f- for the seventh time, and really people were saying, well, that might be it then as far as the greatest quarterback of all time discussion. And as the NFL amateur historian, I'm sort of relieved that Brady is not going because that is the most fun discussion to have amongst NFL historians is who is the best quarterback of all time. And I like the idea that there isn't a definitive answer in the eyes of the consensus because that's it's fun. It's fun to talk about that. And now there's still a there still would have been an argument, but it would have been a lot harder to outshout the people who don't even want to have the discussion. Oh, it's Tom Brady. And now we get to keep having that discussion, which is exciting. But I thought it was interesting. Um, First of all, everybody talks about how Tom Brady has owned Peyton Manning. I think he's like 11 and six or something against Peyton Manning. But Peyton has won all of the important matchups. And Tom Brady hasn't beat Peyton Manning in the playoffs in 12 years now. The last time he beat him was in 2004 in the middle of a snowstorm when the Colts scored three points. Well, you know, uh, Michael Bishop could have beaten a team that scored three points at home in the playoffs. But that's not to take anything away from Tom Brady or anything like that because Peyton Manning certainly didn't take it away from Brady yesterday. But I just wanted to talk about... The idea that Brady's this transcendent playoff quarterback is a complete myth, and I talked about that a little bit last week. He is certainly amongst the very best in NFL history as far as winning in the playoffs, but he is just like everybody else. He wins at home, and he loses away. His road record is now 3-4 and four in the playoffs, which is worse than Aaron Rodgers, and amongst guys who have played at least four playoff starts. This is since 1960, which is as far back as you can look up with the Q on Pro Football Reference. There has been 52 players to start at least four playoff games on the road, and Tom Brady's winning percentage is 18th. So he's behind many guys. So that's not to say he's bad. It's to say he's human on the road, like every great quarterback. And the reason he's been to so many Super Bowls is because he's so phenomenal in the regular season that he earns a lot of home games. And I was looking at some of these other great quarterbacks, and that's the case with all of them. Um, Some of the outliers are just completely strange. Like Drew Brees is one and four on the road. Matt Hasselbeck, for all the success he's had in the league, has never won on the road. Steve Young never won on the road in the playoffs. Um, then you have some other ones like Russell Wilson is two and two. Aaron Rodgers is four and four. Um, these guys are are very successful and they haven't won a lot on the road. And then there's a few Hall of Famers that are just disastrous on the road. Joe Montana two and five on the road in the playoffs. Brett Favre, three and seven. Troy Aikman, one and three. Dan Marino, one and six. The reason Tom Brady is going to all these playoff games is because he he's at home. And you look at a lot of these guys at home and they're similar. Brady is fifteen and three at home. John Elway is nine and two at home. Brett Favre is nine and three at home. 
So that's the big difference. And I think if you're going to take this back to the green and gold forever aspect of our show, which I tend to forget about when I get off on these tangents, the Packers need more home games. And it's a little disconcerting that Aaron Rodgers is only two and two at home as well. Because if you look at a lot of these guys, they're very good at home. Uh, Troy Aikman, Terry Bradshaw, both have phenomenal records at home. Um, the only guys really in the history of the NFL that have played multiple games and shown how, that they're great road quarterbacks are Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, and Roger Staubach. Uh, Staubach's 4-1 and one on the road in the playoffs. Uh, Flacco's 7-5, and five, which is unbelievable. The dude's played 14 playoff games and 12 have been on the road, and he's still won seven of them. But most of those, like Eli Manning's 5-1 and one on the road, those are two playoff years. So they got hot twice. If you're going to talk about this, even the great Tom Brady, if what I'm trying to say, is human on the road. You're only going to win about 50% of the time, even if you're one of the very best quarterbacks in history. So um, as we talked about last week, he averages about a win more per year than Aaron Rodgers does, and that makes a big difference because he's one home game, home win away from the AFC Championship game every year, whereas Aaron Rodgers is usually two road wins or one home win and one road win away from the NFC Championship game. And history says, and the percentages say, you're not going to go to a lot of Super Bowls if you have to go that long road and go on the road to get to the Super Bowl. So just something kind of interesting that I was satisfied about yesterday is that uh, Tom Brady gets to be normal like everyone else. But I suppose we should talk a little bit about the other game. So it was great for the Denver Broncos. I had said many times on the podcast this season that the most interesting story, if the Packers weren't going to go to the Super Bowl, would be to see a great Denver Broncos team carry a less than great version of Peyton Manning to a championship after the reverse had happened so often in his career. And I don't know if it's going to have a happy ending because the Carolina Panthers, who are 15-1, and one, and uh, you know the amateur historians like me and, and many of our great fans have kind of wondered if they passed the eyeball test and they didn't quite look like a 15-1 and one team. And when you hear something like 15-1, and one, you think of the 98 Vikings or the 85 Bears or, te- or the 84 49ers, teams like that who were just massacring people. And... They never quite did that. Well, they did on Sunday night. Uh, They took a team that had played... They they were fading down the stretch. The Cardinals definitely were fading down the stretch. But Carolina pulverized them. And honestly, it made me feel much better about the Packers not being in the NFC Championship game. And obviously, as we talked last week, you would have liked to see them get the chance. And the way that the Packers have played in the playoffs in recent years they probably wouldn't have lost 49-15. to But there's no doubt in my mind after watching last night that the Packers would not have won this game. And the 2015 version of the Packers are not in the league of the 2015 version of the Carolina Panthers. And so watching what they did to a team that the Packers got destroyed by a month ago and was in a dogfight with last week just made it even that much easier. Um... Uh, made that heartbreaking playoff loss that much easier. But yeah, Arizona was pulverized. And the scary part is they pulverized him with Cam Newton still missing a bunch of throws. And if that guy ever gets better accuracy, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's just so decisive. And it seems like because of the, the way he can play the game, he's decisive with his decisions, whether to run or pass, 
and the defense is waiting for him to do something. And it always seems like he's a step ahead of the defense and can always make him pay. He's always in control. He's a cool customer. His teammates seem to like him. Um, he does some annoying things like rip down road fan signs and things. But if you were a fan of that team, I would imagine that's an infectious energy to get behind. And certainly the way they've played in the playoffs, they are now building that kind of resume that an all-time great team builds. And it's satisfying for me, even if it is the Carolina Panthers who have only been around 20 years, it's satisfying for me to know that there's a chance that the 50th Super Bowl champion is going to be one of the best Super Bowl champions ever. And it's weird to say that, especially, um, you know, if you're somebody who loves to look and analyze history, it's weird to say something that happened yesterday and a season that isn't complete yet measures up to some of those teams I previously mentioned. And they, I don't know where they are after the season. I'd like to put them in my, um, metric that I had talked about in the offseason about measuring great teams and I want to see where they rank but the eyeball test on Sunday night looked like they belong in that realm and now they get to take on the Denver Broncos so how fitting would it be in Super Bowl 50 for us to have a throwback to what was a large chunk of Super Bowl history and that is the Denver Broncos getting destroyed by great NFC teams in the Super Bowl and that certainly could happen again. I read an article on Yahoo saying that this is really bad for the Broncos because of how similar the team that they're playing is is to the Seattle Seahawks in 2013 when they got rolled 43-8. Uh, to eight. Uh, There are some differences, though. This Carolina offense is way better than that Seattle offense of 2013. And I think in the rankings, it's it's far and away better um, than Seattle was. So the Carolina Panthers this year were top 10 in almost everything. Well, they were first, most points scored. They're only 11th in yards, but they were in the top 10 in just about everything. And then they still have the sixth best defense in both points allowed and yards. The Seattle Seahawks had the number one defense across the board in 2013 and one of the better defenses of this era. And they had an opportunistic offense, but only eighth in points scored 17th in yards and pretty low in pass production. So this Panther team can put a lot more pressure on this Denver Bronco defense than the Seattle offense of 2013 could. But the flip side is, so I know John Bellish, one of our loyal fans, he's a Denver Broncos fan. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't want to hear this stuff. But what he does, he should know, and lots of Denver fans are probably going to be saying in the next two weeks, is the 2013 Denver Broncos had a horrible 2011 Packers-esque defense. Uh, maybe not quite that bad, but they were 27th in passing yards allowed, 22nd in points allowed, uh, 19th in yards allowed, and this Denver defense is great. They are, have allowed the fewest yards in the NFL, fourth in points allowed. So I think this will be more interesting. Um, the way that they rushed Tom Brady, if they can do some of that to Cam Newton, they could at least slow him down. Um, I just don't know how many points Peyton Manning's going to be able to put up against this Carolina Panthers defense that seems to be playing really well as of late and have really terrorized pocket passers but then again they terrorized Russell Wilson for a lot of the game in the divisional round as well so I'm excited for this Super Bowl um one versus one so if you have listened to this show for a long time you know that I hate when undeserving teams 
get to the Super Bowl, especially when it happens often, which it has in recent years. And to have the 50th Super Bowl be two one seeds, one on one, with an upstart Heisman Trophy winner that was the quarterback of one of the most interesting national championship teams in recent years, and the 2010 Auburn Tigers, number one pick in the draft. He's beaten some great teams. Um, they had a destruction in the NFC Championship game. They're 15-1. and That's certainly an exciting NFC team, an upstart, playing against the Denver Broncos, who are going to their record-tying eighth Super Bowl with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, trying to get a second Super Bowl win to cement his legacy as one of the greatest ever and to tie his brother so Thanksgiving dinner is less awkward when Eli talks about championships. But that'll be really interesting, and I can't wait. So I'm sure they'll be hype much better than anything I just said, but uh, I'm very much looking forward to Super Bowl 50. And also the little wrinkle, too, is that it's going to be played in Santa Clara, and it's going to be bright, at least for the first half. And that is something I really miss with so many retractable roof stadiums and many of these games taking place in the East. When I was a kid, the first Super Bowls that I watched were... The Pasadena Super Bowl with the Bills and Cowboys, I saw very little or a little bit of that. The Cowboys Steelers Super Bowl that was at the old Sun Devil Stadium. You had the Packers and the Broncos as well as the Raiders and Buccaneers all playing outside in San Diego. And I loved the visual of the first half being played in daylight. Then you have the long halftime and then it's nightfall in the second half. And so it's bright and sun when you have the intros and all the glitz and glamour before the game. Then you have the feeling out period where it's still bright, it's familiar, it looks like most of your Sunday games. Then you have the halftime, and by the time the players come back on the field, it's dark and it's ready for business and it's time to crown a champion. And I'm looking forward to that too. So uh, hopefully it's successful in Santa Clara because I would like to see more Super Bowls there just for that kind of ambiance that we don't get when every Super Bowl is played in a dome like it seems to in recent years and they all look the same. So that's a little stupid thing that I'm excited for. All right, so I don't have a whole other or a whole lot to talk about today. I just wanted to address a few of those things that I brought up. And I did ask for some help on the Facebook page. And uh, we got a couple of uh, comments on here. So first we had uh, Daniel Johnson, who uh, gave a few topics, and I'll try to touch on a couple of those. Um, Who wins the Super Bowl? Who's going to be the MVP? I would say that it's going to be one of the quarterbacks. Peyton Manning could play Joe Namath-esque game. And I think by the time the Super Bowl starts, they're going to be about a touchdown underdog. So if they play the exact same game to beat Carolina that they did to beat New England, I think Manning will get the MVP even if he doesn't deserve it. Unless somebody like Von Miller has more than three sacks or somebody has multiple interceptions and defensive touchdowns, if it's a pretty standard game and nobody does anything ridiculous on the defensive side or you don't have one wide receiver have like a Jerry Rice Super Bowl twenty three type game, Peyton will win the MVP if Denver wins and Cam Newton will win it if Carolina wins uh, for the same reasons I said about uh, the the Broncos. Um, the Super Bowl one re-air, did they get it right? I think so, but so for people who don't know, they had hyped that they were stitching together Super Bowl one with the original radio broadcast. They were going to broadcast it a couple Saturdays or I'm sorry, a couple of Friday nights ago on the NFL Network. And the first time they showed it, they had a whole bunch of people that had nothing to do with Super Bowl One, like Chris Rose and Steve Mariucci and Willie McGinnis and a lot of these like 
players that were retired but had been maybe not even born when Super Bowl One was played. It was the oddest selection of guest panelists. And then they had a few players from both sides that, uh, other than Len Dawson at halftime, really didn't offer any insight at all. And they just talked over it the whole time, like a riff tracks almost of a bunch of friends watching a game. And it was so distracting. And it they even shrunk down the screen so you could see like a teeny tiny box of those guys watching it at a wide angle. You couldn't even see anything. It was the most bizarre production choice I've ever seen. And there was a large backlash, not only on social media, but many articles came out that following Monday just blasting it. And... So they re-showed it this past Friday without all of that stuff. They still had Chris Rose do a, like a mini halftime show where they showed the Len Dawson interview again and adding little tidbits, which I thought was really nice. If they had shown the Friday one, or this past Friday, without all that extra stuff, the previous Friday, I think it would have been a big hit. The problem for me was, by the time I had seen all of that, I had seen all the game. And I'd seen the big plays, I knew when they were coming, and obviously... I like to watch games where I know what happens. I've I watch tons of old games, but watching it just seven days later after having just seen it with all those clowns talking over, it really ruined some of the special moments that I was hoping to see, and they really weren't that special anymore. And so I think they did a good thing trying to make good, but it wasn't as cool as it would have been had they showed the version they showed this past Friday the previous Friday. Um, I, I really wish they would have done that. And again, as we said last week, I have no idea who that original version was supposed to appeal to. Because if you like the old game enough to sit down and watch what was advertised as the full broadcast from 50 years ago, you surely are not the kind of person that needs to have these modern people talking over it. And if you don't like football from 50 years ago, no amount of modern people talking and making jokes over it is going to make you want to watch a football game from 1967. It was the strangest choice, and I would love to see the production notes and the the meeting minutes from the planning of that because it just is incredibly bizarre, and I don't know what they were expecting. So I'm getting really long-winded here with a lot of these answers, so I'm I'm not going to talk quite that long. Where do the Patriots go from here? I think they pretty much have to ride this until Tom Brady's not effective anymore. I have no reason to believe why they won't be right back at 12-4 and with a first-round bye next year because there's not a lot of contenders in the AFC that are going to take it away from them. Um, the Bengals, once they get Dalton back, might be good again, and Pittsburgh, if they can be healthy for once, might be good again. But, you know, somebody's got to take it away from New England, and if they go 12-4 and every year, they're probably going to get a first-round bye. And I... I don't know. Do you believe in the Jets? Or I, I picked Miami this last year and looked like an idiot, so I don't believe in them either. So where do the Patriots go? They'll keep going 12-4 and four and being in the AFC Championship game until somebody rises up and takes it away. And granted, the regular season or the season's not even over yet, and we have the whole offseason of teams acquiring new players. But um, at this point, I would be foolish to believe they're going anywhere for the next at least three or four years. Does Goskowski deserve the blame for missing the PAT? No, I don't think so. It was first of all, it's in the first first quarter. I think it was seven to six. You had a huge game left, and 
I think people are way too hard on these kickers because they're not on the field very much, and nobody has the kicker jersey, so you don't want to say it's Tom Brady's fault when you spent $100 on the shirt of his that you have in your closet. So everybody makes mistakes. I, I know that's cliched to say, but you scored 18 points on the road in the playoffs. That's not good enough, historically. And the flip side, if you're talking Blair Walsh a couple of weeks ago, you scored nine. If he'd have made it, you scored 12. 12 should not be good enough to beat the two-time defending NFC champions in the playoffs. You need to do more, and that ultimately falls on everyone. So yes, they share the blame, but they share it as much as anybody on the team does. And Blair Walsh missed a chip shot at the end of the game, so his is bigger than Guskowski, who misses an extra point in the first freaking quarter. I mean, give me a break. That The people that are mad at him are... I don't know. People I don't want to meet. Carson Palmer throwing picks like he forgot which team he was on. Yeah, he's old, and I think everybody knew the risk going in that the way he played this year and really played in his entire tenure with the Cardinals was a little bit too too good to be true if you had followed his career. He's always been a nice player, but then he would have these stink bomb kind of games, and uh, that's that's what happened against a really good team. And I think towards the end when he started throwing a bunch of interceptions, you could tell that he was just trying to make things happen. And that's what happens when you start falling behind and, you know, you're 36 years old and you've never been this far and you feel your career flashing before your eyes a little bit. That that interception he threw in the end zone was terrible. And you could see from that back camera that it was going to be into double coverage and he threw it anyways because I think he wanted the points. So that's going to happen. Um, we'll see what happens with him, but... I certainly would have less faith in Carson Palmer ever playing this well again than Tom Brady going forward at least the next couple of years. The cha- NFC Championship game blowout, um, good thing. <laughs> and then he brings up the Royal Rumble, uh, which uh, I'm not going to lie, I've mentioned out here a couple times, I'm a wrestling fan. So once it was very apparent that the NFC Championship game was a blowout, I was able to catch the Royal Rumble, and it, it was pretty good, but... Uh, I have some opinions on that, but I will uh, withhold them because this is not that kind of show. But uh, it was a good show. Pro Bowl interest. Uh, Daniel, I know you're going, so for your sake, I hope it's uh, fun. The Pro Bowl is still kind of cool just to see the guys with all the different helmets, but it sucks now. Matt described it perfectly either last year or the year before that it's like watching or hearing someone tell you about their fantasy team for three straight hours. Nobody likes to be told about anybody else's fantasy team. We all like to talk about our own, but nobody wants to hear about somebody else's fantasy team. And now you have to have two guys, uh, former players, basically have these fantasy teams. And it's just, it's bizarre. There's, I don't know who to cheer for when I have Packers on both sides and you have Packers. I don't know. It's stupid. I don't know who it appeals to right now. And it's not 1985 where... You don't get to see highlights or games out of your region or out of your division. With Red Zone, it's the Pro Bowl every Sunday. I've seen all of these guys. There's not any great player that I haven't seen play this season. So I don't get what the appeal of the Pro Bowl is anymore. Um, I, it's probably fun to go to, um, to spend a day outside in Hawaii while all the rest of us on the continental U.S. are freezing our butts off and getting buried in snow. So for that, I'm envious of you, Daniel. But as far as a television product... It's terrible. The guys don't try. I'm worried about people getting hurt. And now that you don't even have all of your favorite team's players on the same Pro Bowl teams, it makes for a bizarre NFL pseudo-football experience, and I probably will not be watching. 
Um, class of 16 predictions. I'm not quite sure. Um, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I don't have the list in front of me. Uh, Brett Favre's a shoe in. I hope Kevin Green gets in. I feel like he will. Terrell Owens should get in. If he doesn't, it's because the sports writers are being grumpy about how he treated them or the perception of how he treated them. I believe Kurt Warner deserves to get in, but I'm wondering if he will because Brett Favre so overshadows him from a career uh, prospect. Kurt Warner obviously went to more Super Bowls and at his peak, believe it or not, uh, Kurt Warner at his absolute peak was probably, oof, that's, that's a crossfire I want to bring up to Matt someday. It, it was Kurt Warner in 99 to 2001, as good as Brett Favre from 95 to 97. I'm not sure. It might be a tie. I, I guess I would defer and say, or not defer, I, I would give the edge to Favre because the level of competition was so much greater. Um, I've referenced it many times that the 31 era, 31 team era of the NFL was just goofy, and like the 99 Rams were great, but the average team they played had a five and 11 record, whereas Favre played in the best division in the NFL for those years. The NFL, the NFC Central, were sending two, three, four teams to the playoffs every single year, and the Packers dominated it for those three years because of Brett Favre, and so. Um, yeah, um, that's an interesting conversation. But he, all, Brett Favre played 20 years. Kurt Warner played 10 and was only elite for six of them, five or six of them. So I think Warner, unfortunately, didn't get it in last year and kind of looks like not a Hall of Famer when you're putting them side by side with Brett Favre. So I think he should get in, uh, but it might take a year. You asked about Kevin Green. I don't know if I said this already. I'm just kind of talking. But Kevin Green absolutely deserves to get in. I think he's the only guy in the top six or so of sacks that's not in. And uh, I always thought that people just – he was a wild and crazy guy on the field. Um, He's still never really settled down when he was a coach or anything for the Packers. And in the offseason, he was a pro wrestler. So I think that rubs some – sports writers the wrong way that he's just kind of a goofy gimmick guy and that's my conspiracy theory as to why he's not in uh, but I think he should besides he won some wrestling matches if Reggie White's in the Hall of Fame with an 0-1 record in wrestling then then Kevin Green gets to go in in my opinion um what else we got here how does it happen in 1999 that the Rams and Jaguars go 14-2 and and 13-3 and and did not have any wins against a team with a winning record? That's easy. It's because of, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they played 10 of their 16 games against the AFC Central, which was terrible. And the Rams played eight games against a division that was abysmal. And it just, and the way it happened is that those two divisions were playing each other. That was just kind of a luck. So the Rams got to beat up on their terrible division for eight games and then play four more against the absolutely abysmal um, AFC Central. And they were playing a fifth place schedule. So the rest of their schedule was filled out by teams that weren't good at all. And Jacksonville, I'm not quite sure with them uh, filling out the rest of their schedule, but they played a bunch of the NFC West teams coincidentally not having to play the Rams so they got to play the four other teams that were terrible and then they played 10 games against their bad division and the only good team in their division was the Tennessee Titans who they lost to three times it's just kind of a weird quirk and that's why those years are so strange every single one of the three years of the 31 team NFL had at least one worst to first division winner the Rams did it the 
Uh, Saints did it in 2000. The Bears did it in 2001, as did the Patriots in 2001. So it's just a weird era. If you're into looking at stats and trends and stuff, I suggest going on Pro Football Reference sometime and just looking at all the different quirks of those three years because it's quite bizarre. And uh, one of the things I'm planning to do over the next couple of years is I'm trying to track down a bunch of those games and watch them as uh, originally as possible, kind of week to week. And then uh, if I ever get that far, I'll talk about it on here. Um... I haven't punted since eighth grade flag football, but should I try to replace Tim Maste? Um, I think you could at least stick with him for a couple of training camp practices. Um, I also think any, if wouldn't choose, if you had those, I think you could punt as good. Maybe, I, I bet you somebody like, um, I, I don't know, Ray Guy back in his prime probably could kick a brick better than Tim Maste can kick a football. It's embarrassing right now, and... I suspect he will still be with the team come camp because that's just the way this team operates. And we'll see if it works. Remember Mason Crosby in 2012 had like a straight on offensive lineman kicker percentage and he corrected it. And since then has been very solid outside of the one time we needed him. And then he completely whiffed it against the Lions this year. But Mason was abysmal. I bet you Jerry Kramer had better seasons uh, than Mason Crosby did in 2012. And they stuck with him, and they brought in competition, and he rededicated himself, and he's been great since. So I I would assume they're going to give Tim Mastay the same opportunity, unless, of course, his contract is expiring. I don't know or uh, have cared enough to look up the contract status of our dreadful punter. Does Donovan McNabb deserve to get into the Hall of Fame? This one is incredibly difficult, and I've always felt like no. He's a weird one, because I always felt like he was overhyped because he was on the best team that Donovan made it. I can't talk. Donovan and dominated um, at the same time. But he was on a team that dominated their conference for quite a few years. Um So I think that I don't think he should get in because he didn't win a Super Bowl. He only went to one. He was a good player. He was one of the best in his short era there, but it wasn't a particularly good era for quarterbacking, which is strange. Um, So, no, I I think he's close, but I think – I don't know. He's got no MVPs. So that's if you try to separate him with guys like Dan Fouts, who didn't go, uh, or, or who is in the Hall of Fame and didn't, uh, you know, McNabb made it to a Super Bowl. But Fouts had a bunch of record-breaking years, and he had an NFL MVP award, I think. Now I'm not so sure. But um, I would say Donovan McNabb was a really good player on a really good team, so he got to play in a lot of high-profile situations. Dan Feltz was the NFL MVP. Um, oh, no, wait. Never Oh, never the AP MVP, but he was first-team All-Pro twice, so that counts. Um, Donovan McNabb was never first-team All-Pro, so that's another reason to, to separate him, I guess. But, um, no, I don't think he was that good. He had an 85 quarterback rating, and he debuted in 1999. I, I just don't think that's good enough. He only had one – what, what did he have? Two, three seasons where he had a quarterback rating above 90. So I don't think so. I don't think he's good enough. Okay, so I think – yeah, Corey Ben's just answering some of the questions that Daniel Johnson posed there. So um, 
so there's some kind of statistical basis. I didn't get a chance to read this. It got posted when I started recording. So yes, pretty much what I said about the Rams and Jags, it was a, it was a quirk of the schedule. So that's why it happened. All right. And then Jason Chastain posted an article from JS online. That was from Bob McGinn this past weekend. And he's blaming the underachieving season falls on Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson. And I would suggest you read it. It's very interesting. I don't want to go over it word for word. I will start with the fact that Bob McGinn is a great writer and he's very interesting and he's no nonsense, but man, he comes down hard on this team. (laughs) And I feel like I do, but I don't have the chops that he has. And I've never called myself a journalist. I'm a fan. And part of being a fan is that you just feel it too much and you want it to happen so much that when it doesn't happen, you feel cheated and you feel heartbroken. And yet you don't act very rationally about things. But once I settle down, I just, you know, it's been a week now and the Packers are not going to be in the Super Bowl, and you kind of get over it, and you see the team for what it was, and at sometimes they underachieved, and then in other aspects, they really overachieved for what they had. McGinn makes a good argument for how they should have been better prepared and done some things differently to have helped the team along with the absence of Jordy Nelson and some of the training, or uh, injuries. I don't know what the heck I said training for, but uh, I agree. Uh, so there's some good stuff in there. I do still think he's being a little bit too hard. And, you know, I, this Packer team has been good. And maybe they're wasting Aaron Rodgers like we've said and worried about and a lot of people have said. But I I don't know. They're really good. They've been to the playoffs seven years in a row. But they're not doing what New England did. And they're they're somewhere between... Like, I don't know. They're, they're not even what the 90s 49ers were doing. They're not getting 13 wins and 12 wins every year. They've had a really nice stretch, but they're not in the league of New England. So expecting more than a one Super Bowl at this point maybe is a little strong. And under McCarthy, they've been to the NFC Championship game three times, which is more than they were with Holmgren here. And I don't know. Um, I think the Packers are in this weird spot where they're better than the Oilers and some of those teams that went to the playoffs every single year. Um, They're probably better than the Ravens with John Harbaugh and and some of those, but they're not the Holmgren Packers and they're not Dallas in the nineties and they're not new England today. They're not Peyton Manning's Colts. They're worse than those teams. They don't win as often in the regular season. And do they have the talent for it? I don't know. That's, that's, that's a tough thing to answer. Um, They certainly have the quarterback for it, um, and maybe that's where you can blame Thompson and McCarthy, but I I guess I would maybe blame Thompson more for his reluctancy to go into free agency, but in his defense, every time he's gone into free agency seriously, he's basically hit a home run. So we'll see what happens this offseason if they stand pat. I still don't like the idea that they try so often to fill all of their holes with draft picks and undrafted free agents, but... I don't know. I think McCarthy's done a pretty good job coaching. Um, I don't know. They got to do more. They got to do better than 11 wins a year on average before I'm expecting them to win more Super Bowls. If you're playing in the wild card round every single year, you should have no reason to have more than one Super Bowl. They got lucky the one they got. Um, They've only had two first round buys. So they got to win more in the regular season. And maybe that's Bob's point, but read the article. He can do it more justice than I can. Okay. So that's really all I have today. Um, We'll look forward to the Super Bowl coming up, but 
one of the big things that's probably going to get even bigger ratings than the Super Bowl, that is the goalie awards. And the ballot is prepared. I'm going to be posting it later this week, and so I would encourage you all all of you to vote on it. It only takes a couple of minutes, and it's one of my favorite things of the year just to hear people um, and what they thought of the season. There's a bunch of open-ended stuff, and it's just fun, and it's kind of stupid, and uh, but it's also very prestigious. So if you do agree to submit your goldie ballot you must take it very very seriously think about your choices chart it out use statistical analysis use a fortune teller whatever you need a ouija board whatever you need to make the most accurate choices because the goldies are the pinnacle of packer awards anywhere in the known universe so that will be up um, as always, if you want to interact with the show, you can do so on the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can tweet at us at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four on Twitter. You can send us an email if you'd like to do that. Green and Gold Forever Podcast at gmail.com. Um, there will be no more KZ radio previews this season, but uh, like I did last week, I want to thank those folks, uh, in particular Ty Collins, for arranging that and allowing me to come on the air and uh, live one of my dreams to be on the radio. And so uh, that's uh, was what I did back in a f- earlier part of my life. And so to get the chance to still do that without having to have the horrible hours and pay that come with radio. Um, I'm very glad to have that. I'm joking, of course, um, sort of. And uh, yeah, just go to the website, greengoldforever.podbean.com and relive all the ups and downs of the last four seasons. And hopefully we'll have Matt back. I don't know if the next show will be next week or after the Super Bowl, but either way, keep going to the page and checking out the Facebook page. I promise it every year that I'm going to do something special for the Super Bowl. I actually have something I am working on, but I this time I legitimately do not know if I'll have time to get it done just with my real life schedule. So we'll see what happens. But either way, send us your thoughts. Uh, appreciate Corey and Daniel and Jason for participating. And uh, thanks again for listening today. And hopefully this wasn't too much of a bore to listen to just me in a vacuum talking to you for 40 minutes. But if it was, it's over now. So take care, everyone.